Hi, this is Fats on Film and I am your host Hannah Ogilvie and this is the podcast where we explore and discuss all things fat and body representation in film, TV and wider media. This week we are talking about Parks and Recreation. Parks and Recreation is a sitcom written, show run by Greg Daniels and Mike Shore and if you know those names, well, Greg Daniels was the showrunner for The Office US, and Mike Sure went on to do like Brooklyn Nine Nine and The Good Place. And I do think this will open up a bigger conversation about how just like fat characters are treated in all those and all those shows because they're on my list. But why am I talking about Parks and Recreation this week? I love this show. I truly, truly do. I think I might have seen it over ten times all the way through. And I know it very well. And I, I, I'm i coming from a place of love. I think the characters are phenomenal and lovable and endearing. But it could, it could be better for fat representation, I believe. So what I'm going to do is we're going to talk about two of the main characters who are in bigger bodies. And that is Jerry, Gary, Terry, Gurgich, Gangrich and Donna Meagle. And then I also want to like kind of do a similar how I did to the Friends episode where I just kind of talk about general fat phobia or fat phobic remarks um, throughout the show. And then we'll go from there. So let's kick this off. It's Parks and Recreation. So Parks and Recreation, if you've never seen it before, let me give you like the highest level of what this show's about. <laughs> so it started from 2009 to 2015 and our central character is Leslie Nope, played by Amy Poehler. Leslie is this super successful, creative, ambitious, thoughtful, um, energetic woman who is currently the deputy head of the Parks and Recreation Department in a fictional town of Pawnee, Indiana and she just wants to progress her career and have a successful life. So she's the assistant director so our uh, head of the department is Ron Swanson played by Nick Offerman and he is your kind of typical man's man, likes woodwork, likes hunting, hates the government. So he's kind of like the the adverse or the antithesis of of Leslie. And uh, we, but we do like him. He's fun. You have April Ludgate played by Aubrey Plaza, and she is well, when we first meet her. She's just a college intern, kind of a bit lost in life. You know, she's young, and we see her grow up and become a super successful career woman she ends up marrying Andy Dwyer played by Chris Pratt and he's kind of the lovable goofball um golden retriever type character we have Anne Perkins played by Rashida Jones who is a nurse but she's best friends with Leslie so she spends a lot of time in the department and Leslie and Anne's friendship is just beautiful I love it Tom Haverford played by Aziz Ansari is the smart talking like smartly dressed, meant for bigger things, 
I guess. he Yeah, he's definitely meant for bigger things outside of the Parks and Rec department. You have Jerry, Jerry, Gary, Terry, Gengrich, who is played by Jim O'Hare, and he is one of our bigger characters. We'll talk in a bit more detail in a second. We've got Donna Meagle, who again is a, another bigger character. And then you have Chris Traeger and Ben Wyatt, who are characters from, I guess, the federal government or the state government. A higher up government. I'm not going to sit here and explain to you the American government system because I don't get it. So I can't explain it to you. But yeah, they come from the, the state. Yes, they come from Indiana because at some point Pawnee's like going bankrupt and they have to come in to like save the city type thing. So Chris Traeger is played by Rob Lowe and he's super positive, very um, fitness orientated health orientated health conscious and you know what now I've said that I'm using like again air quotes because um it's it's interesting (laughs) actually maybe we need to talk about that in a bit more detail but yeah his his behavior with his body and and food is very interesting especially when you consider how they talk about the residents of Pawnee um, which apparently Pawnee's maybe like the fourth fattest town or city in America. And then we have Ben Wyatt, played by Adam Scott, who is, uh, he becomes Leslie's partner and husband and father of her children and, and, and biggest supporter of her career. And I, you know, people always going about like Jim and Pam from The Office is like couple goals. Leslie and Ben are couple goals for me. I just love... Leslie and Ben, like, Jim and Pan are okay, but Leslie and Ben are, like, supreme. Like, supreme, in my opinion. So, we love them, and so now you know our cast and our crew, and I guess, like, each episode, there's some kind of, like, I guess, like, any other sitcom, some shit goes down, and they try and resolve it, right? That's, like, the premise of any sitcom, sitcom episode. But let's get into, like, how does this show treat its fat characters? And we're going to talk about, let's talk about Jerry first. Myers, the Jewish guy who works at City Hall, once told me something. A schlemiel is the guy who spills soup at a fancy party. A schlemazel is the guy he spills it on. Jerry is both the schlemiel and the schlemazel of our office. Jerry Gengrich or Gergich or Larry Gergich. This man has many names. <laughs> but played by Jim O'Hare, he is, as that clip suggests, the schlemiel and the schlemozel of the Parks and Rec Department. He is the butt of the joke. And is interesting, actually. Like, it, most, most recently, another interesting lens was put on this. So... Greg, I don't, if anyone listens, uh, if anyone likes The Office, there is The Office Ladies podcast hosted by Angela Kinsey and and Jenna Fisher, and they talk about each episode of The Office, and because they filmed it, they kind of go behind the scenes, they bring on the cast, they bring on producers and writers to talk about it, and most recently they've gone through um, when Steve Carell and Michael Scott left The Office, and they had Greg Daniels, who was the showrunner for the office us when it first started come on and kind of because he wrote those final episodes for michael scott and he spoke about how he found it frustrating the um characterization or 
flanderization, which is a TV trope term to define when a character just becomes kind of one note and it relates to Ned Flanders becoming increasingly, increasingly, increasingly more religious, I guess, as the Simpsons uh, seasons go on. And Greg Daniels was commenting on how he was always trying so hard to kind of stop that one note characterization of Kevin, of uh, Kevin, who is a fat character in the office US. And so in his commentary, I guess, of of, of this battle he, he saw himself having, he makes a joke that Michael Scott goes around all the different characters in the office and gives them like a farewell gift. And his farewell gift to Kevin is a caricature of Kevin's face on a pig's body eating a pizza. It's grotesque. <laughs> it's really weird. And uh, Michael says to Kevin, how does this make you feel? And Kevin goes, not good. You know, obviously. <laughs> and Michael Scott goes, um, he tears it up. He tears it up in front of Kevin's face like, how do you feel now? And Kevin says, Be- better. Because obviously he's no longer looking at this horrible picture of himself. And uh, Michael says, never be a caricature, Kevin. Never be a caricature. And Kevin says something like, oh, I'm gay. I'm much happier with, you know, I'm happy with my body. I'm happy with who I am. And Michael goes, just don't be a caricature. And Greg explains on the Office Ladies podcast that that was him saying to the writers, you know, like, stop making this, like, characterization of Kevin. Because Kevin is, like, a stupid character. He's low intelligence and it's kind of reaffirmed time and time again even though there is a tv theory um like a fun fan theory that he's actually super smart and it's all a ruse but yeah that's him saying to saying to the writers like you know stop making a caricature of this fat character and he always he's i i hope i'm not um misremembering but i believe he says like you know he found it frustrating that he didn't want that kind of like a bigger character or a fat character to fall into those into those tropes of stupid and slow but by doing it in a really weird grotesque and undermining way in my humble opinion we know that greg daniels has some kind of self-awareness of how fat characters can be represented in tv so you come to parks and rack and you have you have jerry you have jerry being this again butt of the joke in the parks and rec office and he's play for laughs like and the thing is even some of the stupid things he does is related to food so there's a whole episode where he claims he was mugged in a park but actually he just fell into the river because he was reaching for like a breakfast burrito or something there's an episode that he has a heart attack um because obviously he does and he ends up like having like farting a lot because you know you know if you're having a heart attack I'm I'm assuming you're going to lose a lot of your own bodily functions because your entire body is focusing on you know the heart but obviously I've spoken before about how fat characters are often shown to be more loose or uh, less concerned with their bodily functions in in public like a la you know they're shitting themselves seen in bridesmaids and i know i know i know they all shit themselves in the end but megan starts it so yeah no 
I think I, I think I've got something there. <laughs> um. So yeah. So Jerry does these things, and like I say, he he's not respected. He he hasn't he hasn't achieved his career goals, and that's something really interesting. Where there are studies that suggest that um, fat people are overlooked for promotions or even jobs themselves, even been given the the job to begin with, because people perceive them to be lazy because they're fat and we associate fatness with laziness and um and and slow um because we again associate fat people with lesser intelligence um which is not true (laughs) it's not true (laughs) even even chris traeger who is this inherently positive person and the most positive character in the show he really has a short fuse with jerry as well so jerry isn't I'm not going to say he's not liked, but he's not definitely not respected. And again, I read that the writers started to feel bad for Jerry because he was constantly the butt of the joke. So they decided to give him this incredible family life. You know, this is a show that is primarily based around people's work lives. So a family life is something we don't get to see very often. So they have given Jerry this most beautiful family. His wife is played by supermodel Christine Brinkley. And he has his three gorgeous daughters. And that's all well and good. But then they make that a joke. (laughs) They make the fact that he has a hot family, like, a part of, like, the, like, what the fuckness of it all because you have uh, there's a Christmas um the, it's a Christmas episode when we're introduced to um Jerry's uh wife we've already met her, his daughter Millicent but Jerry's wife uh Ben and Chris are talking uh, you know can't can't compute how how this beautiful woman could be with Jerry he does not meet the beauty standard and part the reason why is because he is fat because we don't find fat people attractive allegedly so I don't know how you can't this is literally the writers trying to have their cake and eat it because then they like come out and say like oh well we felt so bad for him so we gave him this really hot family but we're still going to take the piss out of it there's an episode where the workers of city hall are nervous that they have the mumps so they set up like a I guess like a surgery where they can go in and get checked for the mumps by a doctor and Apparently, I, I have no idea because I'm not a doctor and I, I just don't know this information, but you can check whether you've got the mumps by looking at people's genitals. So Jerry goes in to get his checked and the doctor says, oh yeah, you've got the all clear and he walks away. And then the doctor says to the camera, um, I have no idea whether that man's got the mumps because he has the biggest penis I have ever seen. And again, that is the writers going, I'm sure I'm going to have to like edit this afterwards and confirm my suspicion but I'm pretty sure the writer said oh we felt really bad for how we were treating Jerry so we gave him this massive dick hello it's Hannah from editing fact checking past Hannah's statements so I just mentioned that the writers tried to make Jerry like a happy have a happier home life because they felt bad and I have it here so this is a quote from IndieWire from an article back in 2014 and Michael Shore said When we started running a million jokes about Jerry when he would fart or trip, I said the one way we can do this is if we find out he secretly has the best life of anyone, Sure said. He should be married to Christy Brinkley. He should have three adult daughters who are the most beautiful women in the world. He should have a beautiful home. Outside the office, everything goes perfectly. 
That's the only way I can emotionally cope with all the jokes. And then Amy Poehler added, and we should have the doctor on TV say Jerry has the largest penis he's ever seen. I find it interesting how like their way of resolving their guilt over, you know, having Jerry be the butt of the joke and bullying him and whatever is by surrounding him by beautiful women. Just food for thought. Anyway, back to the show. See you later. Do 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 do. Oh, it doesn't matter that we don't respect this character at all. We make him a joke. He falls. He's clumsy. Like, he's mocked every angle. From memory, I don't know if there's actually any pointedly fat jokes at Jerry. I could be wrong. You'll correct me if I am, I'm sure. Like, it's so weird. Like, it, it's so weird that they knew that they were treating this character like shit. And yet, um, <laughs> like, still continue to do it. <laughs> But like gave him things that were nice and then took them away again. Like it, it oh, it's bizarre. So I think Jerry's really complex. Uh, I truly don't know what they wanted to do. Like whether their consciousness has kind of got in the way and they're trying to give him some good stuff and then take it away with some bad stuff. But he's not respected. There's a whole episode where they realise that he isn't even qualified to do the job he's in because he doesn't have is it a college degree. I think he needed a college degree to get the job he's got. And they say, oh, well, you've been in the job for like 40 years. We're not going to get rid of you. But we will dock your pay. And he goes, oh, well, that's, that's, that's fair. Like, uh, it's shit. You're a cat. You're temperamental. You're unpredictable complex and hard to read you make people work before you let them in but if they put the time in and prove that they care then you open yourself up to them right and let's talk about donna meagle played by retta i truly love this character and as i was you know kind of trying to work out for you how to verbalize my thoughts of why i like this character so much i am struck with this idea that like she's not a joke where we compare her to jerry jerry is the butt of the joke right but the joke of of the proximate department in no way i think it's ever donna the butt of the joke um she is constantly in control of herself she never sells herself short she totally understands her self-worth it's a real contrast to jerry so in the sense of like jerry you know as i said he he's he <laughs> He's happy to take a pay cut because he's not qualified for the job he's been doing for 20 plus years. But where Donna would never do that. You know, Donna Donna understands her worth. She, ha- you know, buys herself the nice thing. She, you know, gets herself the nice car because she, she believes she deserves to have the finer things in life. So she goes and gets them. She gets jobs and has side hustles to allow that, that lifestyle for herself. She doesn't let anyone tell her that she's less than and we see that come through with her relationship choices for the majority of the show we don't ever see her in a relationship she is um you know having casual dating casual sex and who we see her having sex with are attractive men of varying body types because there is body diversity in relationships as well because all body types find all body types attractive um, and I think that's really important. And she doesn't settle down until she meets Keegan-Michael Key's character, who is, you know, a slender man. And again, woo, body diversity in relationships, love to see it. 
Um, and, but he doesn't want to, um, she believes he wants to change her because uh, it's her settling down is, is alien to her. Um, but he makes it clear that he doesn't want to change her. He, he, he loves her for being her and he finds her incredibly endearing and intelligent and savvy and smart and sexy, which are like, I mean, <laughs> those qualities are good on anyone, you know? And I just love how they're represented on this bigger body, on this, on this bigger character. Donna is it fiercely loyal. She's very kind-hearted, actually. I think uh, where most sitcoms have that kind of mysterious character, and I, I think of, like, Creed in The Office, or Rosa in Brooklyn Nine-Nine has this air of mystery around her. I think Donna probably fits into into that, that uh, trope um, out of all the characters on Parks and Rec. But we still know enough about her that we can relate to her. So, like I said, she is steely. I think that's a, a fair characterization of her. She's steely. She she comes across as tough, but she's incredibly kind-hearted and she stands up to bullying. And so, when the uh, when the the group or a, a subsect of the group have been creating a Jerry fund, so anytime Jerry messes up in the office. One of them will put a dollar in 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 this box, and then at the end they get to go and spend have a really nice dinner based on Jerry's mishaps, and they kind of reminisce about Jerry throughout the year. And Donna realizes how cruel this is, and actually, you know, all this guys had to try to do is be incredibly like supportive and and be part of the Parks and Rec family, and they have stopped him at every turn. So, so Donna's the one that actually drives them to Jerry's house in order to kind of apologise and and uh, partake in his family festivities. Um, she also is the one who convinces Tom that Ben should join them on Treat Yourself Day because she doesn't like, like to see him being sad and lonely. So she is incredibly kind, she's empathetic, she wants to help people who are in need, but only those who she believes deserves it. When you compare the two, Jerry fits into a few of the negative fat uh, stereotypes or tropes. So he's clumsy, he likes to eat, he um, is a bit like, not, I guess, dim-witted, like for lack of a better term. But Donna is just none of them. And I think as well, like Donna in no way is associated with, is associated with her size. I don't think the ever comment on it I don't think it's ever a joke I think from one episode it's the snake juice episode which is one of the best episodes um she isn't drinking because she's on a cleanse which I guess that could that I mean obviously that, like cleansing is diet culture so that could read something but I don't think there's any other examples of her I, I mean you could I guess you could argue of why she's on a cleanse mostly people are on cleanses because they want to lose weight but I don't believe it's ever explicitly said that's why she's on it but that's about it that's literally like the only thing they talk about with with her um weight or food relationship um the other thing is i guess they they touch slightly on fetishization of um fat women and especially fat black women because when they have uh like the venezuelan uh sister it's like a sister town government come over they're really attracted to her and Donna says um I do very well in South America implying that her body type 
is really like admired and and possibly to the point of fetishization the the venezuelan characters want to want to like pay for her services that i mean it's not it's not great but it's also not the worst um and i do think that's really early on in the show and as the show goes on she takes she is she is so in control of her sexuality and of her body and like i guess any kind of male gaze towards it um so i think like on the whole donna's awesome I love Donna. I also really appreciate how they didn't do that fat trope of making her incredibly bubbly. I should have mentioned this in the Fat Monica episode, but like Fat Monica is very, very bubbly compared to uh, straight size Monica. And I think it's because I I think this happens in real life as well. And there's nothing wrong with being naturally bubbly. I want to like point that out. There's nothing wrong with it. But I have definitely felt the pressure to make myself more palatable because I have been told to view myself as unpalatable, if that makes sense. So if if I'm super nice and super bubbly, which I, I think I am those things, but I have felt the need to almost like put it on a bit more. So people who meet me aren't put off by my size they just see I've got like a really nice personality you know I hope other um people who have uh, you know of size (laughs) relate to that and that's not just my own insecurity um I'm a lot more sure of myself now but especially when I was younger um I definitely molded myself to what I thought people wanted me to be like and almost like I was making an apology for being the size I was so if I offset it with being incredibly bubbly and kind and sweet, then, oh, they can't get that mad at me. And I think Fat Monica is doing that. But back to Donna, Donna doesn't do that. They, they, she is not a bubbly person. And I love that they did that because, of course, like, fat people have every, like, personality type under the sun, you know? Like, we are varied, complex, nuanced people and I appreciate in, in sitcoms and TV, sometimes you have to rely on stereotypes, but with, with Donna, they don't. And that makes her so much more real and, in my eyes, much more um, much more of a role model, if I'm honest. I actually wish there was more Donna in the show. And I, in the especially in the early seasons, she really is just a background character. And then they, obviously, they must have realised the talent they had with Retta and started giving her more and more stuff to do. Um, but I, I really... I really love Donna. I I, I hope that's come across. <laughs> um, so yeah, yay for Donna. Yay for it. If there's ever going to be a Donna spinoff, I'd be there for it. And also from what we see when they do the flash forward in the final, in the final season and in the final, final episodes, she remains child free. And as someone who also has a child free life, so I love to see that represented in media as um, something cool rather than you know, rather than like you know sad sad cat lady she's like living her best life with her partner um without without children and she's fulfilled and i i love to see it love to see it let's talk about the other residents of pony or just how pony in general treats its fat people um and i want to talk about chris traeger to begin with And so this is like your trigger warning for a conversation about eating disorders. So if that is something you don't feel comfortable listening to, please skip forward like two minutes. So Chris Traeger um, 
is played by Rob Lowe and he is this incredible like fitness obsessed um clean eating obsessed person and it's played for laughs it's played as this little like you know quirk you know he's obsessed with vitamins you know he has a vitamin that he needs is a, is a choking hazard because it's the size of a fist and he can't um swallow it back on his own and like I say, he's like he's always running. He um he it, he claims it's because when he was a child, he you know had some kind of um, health disorder, which meant he wasn't going to last past a certain age. But he's obviously defied the odds, so he believes he has to keep his body like in tip top condition, or um, he's going to fall back into illness. So on the whole, that doesn't sound bad, right? But like his behaviours are really concerning. So there's this um, eating disorder. This is on um, the Beat uh, Eating Disorder website. Um, and it, I mean, I'm not a psychiatrist or a doctor or any anything medical related. But he gives, he does give symptoms of orthorexia, which is someone who's obsessed with this idea of clean eating to the point where like they stop eating whole food groups. Orthorexia, it, it's it's treated as a personality trait at the moment in the media. Like this, um, it's just like, a, oh, like he's just, you know, a type A personality who loves to know what's in his food. And, but it means he stops like enjoying himself at the same time. And we find out that like he is suffering really badly with his mental health. He has to go to a Dr. Richard Nygaard to like get better. And people tend to, when they can't deal with themselves emotionally, people can turn to food to try and feel some kind of control. So I suffered for many years with binge eating disorder and that was because I felt like I couldn't express myself emotionally. I didn't have the the tools or, or, or the means to express myself. So I just ate, literally ate my feelings. And same with Chris, it's like he finds some kind of solace in, you know, controlling what goes into his body. And but it's treated as a laugh and as a little quirk. And also, I think we we have such a bad relationship with um, anyone who looks good, like and I, like I'm using air quotes, looks good. So someone who looks slender, obviously does a lot of running, cycling. He's like very exercise orientated orientated that's always going to be seen as positive it's like the way we see is weight loss is always inherently positive and weight gain is always inherently bad it's the same idea and it's like no like everyone is different (laughs) this kind of obsessive behavior is never going to be good especially when it comes to the stuff that you know you how you eat and how you drink because that's our fuel Um, so I just thought that was really just something to highlight just again in the kind of context of body representation within the show and then Pawnee itself is so fascinated with just like the residents of the characters that they've created just feel so lifelike and feel so lived in but there's an ongoing joke that Pawnee is one of the fattest towns in America you know First in friendship, fourth in obesity. Uh, uh, Tom says, we're coming for you, San Antonio. Like, in the idea like that they're going to beat San Antonio. The obesity rankings, I guess? There is a fast food restaurant called Ponch Burger. And the logo is of a um, fat man, like a like a belly. Um, there's a whole episode about um, having a sugar tax because the drink sizes uh, that this Ponch Burger is selling is is super like super big like ridiculous sizes like a child size is actually the size of a small child um 
And there's a company, one of the big companies, one of the big employers in town is called Sweetums, which is like a, a, a sweet, a candy, a candy shop or a candy producer. And we know that sugar can lead to weight gain. So, you know, all of these little um, bits of lore, I guess, around the town kind of contribute to why the town might be have a, a, a bigger body, you know, an average bigger body size than other towns in America. But there aren't that many fat people we see from memory. And even even in the town halls, there's not that many bigger people. You know, you get the odd person. And I guess, like, you know, characters like Ron Swanson or Andy Dwyer, you know, they probably are, like, high on the BMI scale. The BMI scale is trash, but this is what we currently use. So, ugh. But, yeah, they probably are high on the BMI scale. So, like, that probably is contributing to the obesity factor, as it were. When they do the Harvest Festival, which I, I really want to go to the Harvest Festival. It looks so much fun. <laughs> um, but Tom says that like Sweetums has donated a roller coaster and um, it's it's been adapted to fit bigger people. And he coins it the Fat Coaster. Which I'm like, one hand, I'm like, yay for accessibility. But, on the other hand, but then on the other coin, it's like, B, because it's like just a joke because fat coasters don't exist. <laughs> and it's almost like, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but this is my podcast. I'm allowed to read as much into it as I like. No one can stop me. <laughs> so yeah, I think like the general vibe of Pawnee is that it's this unhealthy town and um, like filled with fat kids. Um, I There are a few jokes about the fat kids, fat people, and yet like there aren't actually that many fat people in the main cast or, or, or I guess like, you know, bigger, bigger bodied people again it's hard it's hard to gauge like you know what when they were casting it who did they think were like the bigger characters but there's not that many at all so where if this is like the one of the fattest towns in america where are the fat people so let's score parks and rec out of five hannahs i think if it was just dawn it's a five out of five hannahs easily she's amazing but we have to balance it with the treatment of jerry and the treatment of kind of fat people within pawnee as a town and i think it does bump it down to like three three hannahs which sucks it is what it is unfortunately no piece of media is perfect for representation to my knowledge please let me know if i'm wrong and on that note this has been Fats on Film. I have been your host, Hannah Ogilvie, and you can find the podcast on Fats on Film on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find me at Queen B Says on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And I hope to see you at the next one. Stay fat! <laughs>